0: Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com, the show that's dedicated to saving you money on buying and owning a vehicle. Now, here's your host, Rick Popley.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks, where each week we help you make smarter choices about buying and owning a vehicle and save money. Hello, everyone. I'm Rick Popley, your host and proprietor. Glad you can join us. Spring is just around the corner, or so they tell us here in snow-covered Chicago, and it is typically when new car sales perk up after the winter doldrums. It also is when the annual April auto issue of Consumer Reports magazine becomes available. That issue provides comprehensive information on new and used vehicles, reliability ratings, recommendations on which ones to buy and avoid, and other valuable information. My guest today will be Jeff Bartlett, Deputy Automotive Editor for Consumer Reports, and we will focus on used cars. Jeff will offer advice on where to look for a used vehicle and what to look for. He will identify some used models that Consumer Reports recommends and discuss other helpful topics concerning used cars and trucks. The average price of a new car these days is around $30,000, even higher by some estimates, so many people turn to used vehicles instead out of economic necessity. We will help you find the right used vehicle. But before we head over to the used car lot, here is this week's auto news you might be able to use. General Motors has a lot of explaining to do over a recall it didn't make. GM recently recalled 1.4 million vehicles in the U.S., from the 2003 through 2007 model years because faulty ignition switches could unexpectedly turn off the engine. GM says the ignition switch could be turned off by a heavy key ring, being bumped by the driver's knee, or even by a bump in the road. Because the switches would shut off the engine, the airbags would not deploy in a crash. At least 12 people have died in crashes involving vehicles with these ignition switches. The recall covers the Chevrolet Cobalt and HHR, Saturn Ion and Sky, and the Pontiac G5 and Solstice. Federal safety investigators found that GM knew about this problem as early as 2004, but did not initiate a safety recall until February of this year. GM started using a different ignition switch in 2006, but did not proactively replace the faulty switches on earlier models. It is replacing those switches now as part of the recall. GM faces a federal criminal investigation over the matter, as well as congressional inquiries as to why it didn't act sooner. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the federal agency that enforces auto safety regulations, also has some explaining to do. Senators, congressmen, and safety advocates are asking why NHTSA didn't connect the deaths and the faulty ignition switches sooner, and why it didn't launch an investigation into the defect. Stay tuned. There's sure to be more news on this GM Recall. We've mentioned before that more consumers are taking out longer loans to buy cars, and we've had discussions on previous shows about the dangers of doing that. Here are a couple of more tidbits on that subject. Experian Automotive says that loans of 73 to 84 months, that's between six and seven years, accounted for 17% of new vehicle sales in the fourth quarter of 2013. And 10% of used vehicle loans were for 73 to 84 months. According to the Power Information Network, a unit of J.D. Power & Associates, in February, loans of 72 months or longer accounted for 32% of new vehicle sales. That's one-third of the new vehicles sold. A lot of people are stretching their car payments over longer periods to keep the monthly payment down, but that means they are paying more in interest and are in hock for a longer time. How much can you afford to spend on a car? The website interest.com suggests you use the formula 20/4/10. Put at least 20% down on a vehicle, take out a loan for a maximum of four years, and keep your payments, including insurance, to no more than 10% of your gross annual income. That's 20 down, 20% down, a loan of a maximum of four years and no more than 10% of your annual income. For an individual or family that makes $50,000 a year, that works out to $417 per month for car payments and insurance. If your gross income is $100,000 per year, then this formula says you can afford up to $833 per month. That is according to interest.com. Tesla, the electric car manufacturer, is being unplugged by the state of New Jersey. Tesla had been selling cars through two stores in New Jersey for about a year, but the New Jersey Motor Vehicle Commission ruled this week that those stores violate a state law that says manufacturers can't sell new vehicles directly to consumers. Instead, they have to sell them through franchise dealers, like those that sell Toyotas, Hondas, and Chevrolets. Tesla said it will close those two stores by April 1st. After that, it can show its cars at galleries, where you can look but not buy. New New Jersey residents who buy a Tesla will have to arrange delivery, delivery in another state. Dealer organizations in Texas and Arizona also have blocked Tesla from selling directly to consumers, and dealer groups are trying to do the same in other states. Dealers claim that selling cars through franchise dealers results in lower prices than if manufacturers were to sell them directly. And that is this week's auto news you might be able to use. New vehicle sales hit 15.6 million in 2013, the highest since 2007. But used car sales were nearly three times that number, 42 million. For many consumers a new vehicle is out of reach. For others that need a second or third family vehicle, a used car is a more affordable and sensible alternative to buying new. With new cars, you have to buy from a franchise new car dealer. Just ask Tesla. The suggested retail price has to be posted on each vehicle, and every new vehicle comes with a comprehensive warranty that lasts at least three years. Used vehicles can be a much different story. You can find them at new car dealers, independent used car lots, on eBay and Craigslist, and parked along the side of the road with a for sale sign stuck on the windshield. Prices vary widely based on age, mileage, condition, and the whims of the seller. Plus, they may or may not have a warranty. And how do you know whether you're getting a peach or a lemon? Joining me by phone today to help sort all this out is Jeff Bartlett. Deputy Auto Editor of Consumer Reports Magazine. Consumer Reports conducts extensive tests of new vehicles, as well as many other consumer products, and also rates and recommends used vehicles for reliability. Consumer Reports' annual April auto issue, which covers new and used vehicles, is on newsstands now. You can also also find this information on their website, consumerreports.org. Jeff has been on our show before. And it's a pleasure to have him back. Welcome, Hi. Jeff.
0: Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me back on.
1: Good to good to hear from you and, and this I thought to be very timely with your annual auto issue on the stands. And you know, I think in in recent years, uh, thanks in large part to the internet, the amount of information on new vehicles, including pricing uh and and other things on reliability, is a lot more readily available. Is the same true with used vehicles, which are just available in a whole, uh, in several different arenas?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the Internet's definitely revolutionized how people can research purchases. Uh, cars are a great example, because just as there are road tests and other performance type data, safety data for new cars, it's also available for used, plus, um you know, Consumer Reports provides very detailed reliability data so that you can uh, really make an informed uh, choice. And the benefit of buying used in this regard is with new, you're predicting the reliability. With a used car, it has a, a track record, and you have more cars to choose from. You're not just locked into buying a 2014. You could choose a uh, 2010 instead of a 2009 if it made a reliability difference, and it probably wouldn't make a big cost difference.
1: How, does, uh, how do you uh, gather the reliability ratings for used vehicles?
0: Well, reliability is a key part of our annual survey, so we reach out to our millions of subscribers to ask about their experiences with products, looking specifically at problems. This isn't looking at their satisfaction, which is a, a separate uh, view of their experience. We're looking at problems, things that cause them to go back to the dealer and reach into their pocket. And from this, we're able to get great granularity on uh, makes and models to see what's going wrong and be able to chart trends so that we can provide really informed advice.
1: So it's not just individual models. It might be brand trends that you're looking at, too.
0: Well, we roll up uh, the findings into our brand report cards, which is part of our uh, annual April issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gives kind of a fun, almost trivia perspective on it, but it really comes down to... Every brand has uh, models that perform across the spectrum by any measure. So you really got to look at the model level when you're making your own personal choice.
1: Now, when, when people start looking for used vehicles, I just, I'll i go to a site like cars.com, for example, and, and, and look at their used car listings. Some are from new car dealers. Some are from independent used car stores. Some are from private parties. Do you have any recommendations or suggestions as to where to look or, or who Not to, uh, uh, who to avoid?
0: Well, this is where used cars get complicated very quickly. They're available from so many places, like you said. Each has its own benefits, and ultimately it may come down to the individual model. Uh, You may want, you know, a specific year-make model, trim, engine, and color, in Mm -hmm. which case you're going to have to go where that is. But generally... Uh, a new car dealer selling used cars of the same brand uh, is probably one of the safer places to go, because that is where the expertise is to evaluate and correct any problems. Uh, it can also be a more expensive place to go, uh, because they're looking you know, to make significant profit. Uh, corner used car lots that have vehicles from multiple brands may not have quite the same expertise. They may not be getting uh, trade-ins from loyal customers and have all the maintenance records right on hand. Instead, they're likely to be buying these at auction and and looking for a car that's quick to flip and and looks nice. So that may carry um, certain risks. Um, And then, of course, you can buy private, whether you do it face-to-face or if you're doing it online through you know, classifieds type of service like you referenced, or even in in eBay. Uh, often you can get the best prices that way, but you don't have the same level of protections that you would buying through a uh, a dealership.
1: There is someone uh, here at TalkZone who has bought, I think, two vehicles, two or three uh, via eBay from out of state and had good success with it, by the way. I, I'm not willing to roll those dice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've bought a car online myself, too, and it worked out great. Uh, but there are certain risks, uh, but eBay itself builds in certain protections. Uh, they even have it set up so that you could uh, arrange to have an independent mechanic inspect the vehicle, which is great. Ah, right. Um, and there's uh, a short-term service agreement that gives you uh, a month of protection or a 1,000 miles in case the vehicle is misrepresented or, or something went wrong. But as is often the case, especially if you know, you're an enthusiast like you and I, and you look for something kind of fun, you might be traveling to get the car, in which case part of the risk isn't the car, but, you know, you're going to show up and find something that's slightly different than what you expected right. and, and just scuttle the, the trip and the cost.
1: Now, uh, uh, we have to uh, take a quick break here, uh, but but when we come back, just want to ask a little bit more about uh, buying from a uh, used car superstar like carmax uh, private parties and and some of the other things to pluses and minuses about looking for a used car so we'll continue this discussion after this short break please stay with us
0: Welcome back to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Here's Rick Popley.
1: Welcome back everyone. My guest today is Jeff Bartlett, Deputy Auto Editor for Consumer Reports magazine. We're talking about used cars, and you can find a wealth of information on used cars in the annual Consumer Reports Auto issue, which is on newsstands now. If you have a question or comment, the phone lines are open. You can join the conversation by calling 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Jeff, you you mentioned previously that one of the uh, uh, good places to look for a used car is a new car dealer that sells the same brand because they know that that car.
0: I think that can lead you to a quality car. It may lead to a more... Expensive one, however. There uh-huh. are so many trade-offs in, in buying a used car.
1: Okay. And and then you have the uh, uh, independent use, used uh, dealers, which tend to have older, uh, higher mileage vehicles. But in between there, there's CarMax, the national chain of used car stores that has a one-price policy and a lot of late-model used cars. But mm-hmm. um, I would assume, or, or I've seen evidence, they buy a lot of their cars at auctions, used car auctions. They don't have... It's not like a loyal customer, you know, that's uh, at a new car dealership. You, you know how they take care of the car. They're just buying used cars like other dealers.
0: Exactly. And I would slot them in, in between the two other scenarios. I think CarMax uh, and the like have real appeal in that they're really focused on providing a, a quality retail experience on these used vehicles. They're going through them. They're updating them. They're, they're uh, freshening them as appropriate. And they're providing what, what I find compelling is kind of a no haggle, simple pricing structure. Mm-hmm. So it makes it very easy to go in. And even if you're uh, very flexible on what you're looking for and walk up and down the aisle and, and see where, where your money will go, there's really no other place you can do that. Uh, Cause you look at the prices at a, a corner lot and you know, there could be merely suggestions, um, <laughs> but, at, you know, CarMax makes it very straightforward. You know they'll be there uh, when you have problems or, you know, if you have problems, and it provides you know, a, a better quality experience. So I think it's, a, it's an interesting, compelling way to go, and I suspect that uh, their quality of their cars is uh, probably on the higher end of what would be at auction.
1: Uh yeah, I I, uh some years back I actually went to an auction with some people from CarMax, one of their buyers, and maybe it was because I was there, but they were really choosy. I mean they were rejecting cars with just what I I said, What's wrong with that? And they points something out, some slight cosmetic damage, and says, We'll avoid that. You know, so I think they are choosy, but they also have a five day exchange policy, you can bring a car back or return policy. Um, but I think their prices tend to be higher than even new car dealers.
0: Well, that's generally the trend with any of the retailers that we've seen through the years that have a no-haggle price. Hmm. So, you know, part of it comes down to the experience. You know, sometimes right. it's worth paying extra, you know, at this level, $100, $200, to have a great experience versus being beaten up all afternoon to save a 100 or $200. Right. Uh, you know, as I often think, cars are so vital to our lives and they're so expensive, yet acquiring them is built in with so much stress. Now, I can go buy an ice cream for 3 bucks and be happier. That shouldn't be the case. You should be able to buy a $20,000 car and be thrilled, and perhaps this gets you a little closer to that experience.
1: I I think I can go having a colonoscopy and uh, be happier (laughs) about it. But but anyway, (laughs) uh, you know, one of the obvious things about looking at a used car, and and I think, you know, people say that uh, with a used car, a used car value is basically you're buying the unused miles. So the fewer miles on it, you know, the higher the value. What are some of the other things to look for uh, in a used car? I mean, for someone who's not an expert in cars, Mm.
0: Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it because the uh, whole appeal of a used car is that it's a experienced car that has already depreciated, and cars depreciate most the first, second, and, and less so the third year. So, mm-hmm. if someone else can take that initial financial hit, that leaves you with you know to get a better dollar to mile ratio out of it, and. The trick is to buy a car that's depreciated but has a lot of life left ahead of it. So to find that car, you really want to look for one to begin with that has a great reliability track record, one that the odds are in its favor that it's going to hold up, and then understand that the condition of each individual car at that point certainly varies. What it's gone through and how it's been cared for differs. So you want some kind of professional inspection, a mechanic that can uh, spend an hour going through it bumper-to-bumper bumper can give you great assurance of the condition of it and let you know that you really are getting the value that you think you are as opposed to a, a box of future surprises.
1: If you're buying a car from a dealer, can you do that? Can you can you take that car off the lot and have an in- uh, independent mechanic look at it?
0: That gets a little trickier for sure. Uh, some dealers m- may be willing to let you do that. Um, mm-hmm. some may be willing to let you take a test drive and you're welcome to stop somewhere along the way to do it uh, <laughs> but certainly it would be easier if uh, you weren't buying from a, a dealership and were able to work that in such as from a, a private individual Right. Uh, in, in which case you might even be able to negotiate in uh, You know, hey if I find something wrong I'm not buying it and you're paying for the inspection and they can keep the paperwork or you might be able to work some, some deal like that Uh, Of course, the the next best thing would be to bring a knowledgeable, Mm -hmm. potentially professional uh, friend with you to be your objective observer as you go through the car.
1: Okay. It doesn't hurt to ask an individual, at least, for maintenance receipts, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Not everyone will have them, but it's Mm -hmm. certainly uh, good to ask. Um, Second best would be, if they don't, perhaps they could call uh, the shop or the dealership where they had it routinely serviced while you're there, and let you mm. speak to the service manager who can glance through uh, their records. Of
1: course, which, you can't get, which can't excuse get me, they do keep records of that uh, at dealerships, don't they?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Which which uh, is really one of the incentives to have you keep going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, you know, they can tell what went wrong and when things are fixed.
1: Okay. Now, one of the things that uh, uh, a lot of uh, used cars come with these days, if you look at the ads, is a car fax or auto check report that uh, it purports to give the history of the car, whether it's been in an accident and other things. How valuable are those?
0: Well, those are a helpful tool, but they're not foolproof,
1: hmm. uh,
0: which makes them a little bit of a tease, because certainly they're heavily advertised. And yes. In fact, most places that you would buy a car, other than someone's driveway, these are made readily available, but they're not, you know, solid guarantees. And in fact, through the years, we've done a fair number of investigations where we found cars for sale that are totally destroyed, and we're able to find clean reports on them. Of course, many of them came back clearly indicating the problems, but en- enough snuck through the net that uh, we definitely say they're not. Foolproof.
1: You mean a car that may have been totaled in, from an accident or something?
0: The, the car is visibly totaled, quote-unquote totaled, mm-hmm. but um, it wasn't reported I as see. much. So okay. it, a salvage title wasn't assigned to it. Um, therefore, it kind of fell through the cracks as you were. Mm-hmm. And this is a particular concern around uh, you know some of these you know, unfortunate national disasters where we've had a uh, tremendous number of cars that have been flooded and many of which kind of slip back into the uh, uh, supply chain.
1: I guess there's an uh, uh, ability for people who would do this is to keep moving cars, vehicles, from state to state. And uh, as you change titles, sometimes the original information on a title, such as that it was flood damage or something like that, gets lost in the shuffle
0: Absolutely, and unfortunately, that is the case, and hopefully in the years ahead, that uh, system gets tightened up.
1: Okay. Now, one of the – this may come as a surprise to some people – one of the biggest sources of used vehicles is um, daily rental companies such as Hertz, uh, Enterprise, and Avis. And if you look at the Carfax or AutoCheck reports, one of the things they do show in there is uh, on used vehicles – is, uh, who held the original title? And it usually, it'll list that it's a rental agency. And, and this is certified, includes certified pre-owned cars. You look, uh, at CarMax's, uh, uh cars available. A lot of them are, uh, start out as rental cars. What do you think? Can, uh, is that a good bet or should you avoid, uh, a used rental car?
0: Well, that's certainly not how I would spend my money. Hmm. If, you, if you think of a rental car as being kind of the the institutionalized equivalent of a 16-year-old borrowing dad's car for the first time, <laughs> and it does, and that is its life every single day, Ooh. <laughs> um, coupled with rental cars are often bare-bones cars that may not have uh, all the safety features that are offered for that car, even mm-hmm. the convenience features that you'd readily find in, in Um, Civilian models, shall we say? Uh, Certainly, you can get some screaming deals on them, but I would run screaming away from them myself.
1: Well, the um, uh, what if though is that you know, company, uh, a used car dealer or CarMax or somebody buys one and reconditions it, but but you see on the report, hey, this was a rental car. You're still not convinced.
0: No, I'm not. Where what are they going to recondition? They'll polish it and put some new tires on it?
1: I still yes. That 16, that what, you, want, was, you want repairs?
0: <laughs> well, I, that likely led the hardest life of anything off a NASCAR track. Oh. <laughs> it, you know, who knows what it was used for? The The anecdote that really turned me off to the concept happened many years ago when I was off-roading. Uh, uh, deep into an, a national park, a like, true off-roading, big, rough, macho trucks, and found a rental car that had just bombed its way down the trail and somehow was still intact.
1: When a we car, got not a truck? <laughs> it was a car. Oh, boy.
0: And, uh, you know... Boy, that would, that would not have been uh, one I'd want to buy.
1: Okay. Here, here, I don't know if, uh, if, if you have uh, an answer for this, but I have been told that uh, some of the major car rental companies are self-insured. So if one of their cars is in, in an accident, depending on the circumstances, that uh, accident, that report may not end up on a car fax or auto check because they don't have to report it to anybody else.
0: So we're getting back to that 16-year-old who uh, had a little fender bender and didn't tell dad. Ah. Yeah, I, I believe it could happen. Okay, We haven't done any research on that specifically, but um, I believe it could happen.
1: Okay. So the world, according to Jeff Bartlett, does not uh, include used <laughs> rental cars. All right. We've established that. Um, you know, uh, one of the uh, things that I, I've heard over the years frequently uh, from dealers, and this comes whether you're um, buying a used car or trading one in, when the value comes up, they like to say, you know, no two used cars alike, are alike. But um, when we come back, we have to take a short break here. When we come back, i like to talk about some of the main factors that uh, are used to determine a car's value and how consumers can compare prices on similar vehicles.
0: Now, more cars, trucks, and bucks on TalkZone.com with your host, Rick Popley.
1: Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about used cars today, where to find them, what to look for, and what to avoid. My guest today is Jeff Bartlett, Deputy Auto Editor for Consumer Reports Magazine. If you have a question or a comment, the phone lines are open. You can join the conversation by calling 888 888-463-6748. Four six three six seven four eight. 6748 That's 888 6748 Jeff, before the break, I mentioned that uh, car dealers love to say about used cars. Uh, no two used cars are alike, and that's how they explain why they give you a low amount for a trade-in and charge you a high amount if you're buying it. But what are some of the things that a consumer can use to compare prices on similar used vehicles?
0: Well, the key variations between the cars are going to be mileage, how they're equipped, and their condition. Uh, Mileage and condition usually is readily listed online, although the specific definition of condition uh, certainly can vary from not only site to site, but even uh, within a certain site or or dealership. Uh, The elements of condition uh, can have different impacts too. You, know, you might be able to uh, accept dirty floor mats because you can replace them for sixty bucks, but you'd be more concerned with how is that engine uh, cared for over mm-hmm. time. So th- there's some uh, truth to that statement, and you know it, it bears enough research so that you can make decisions on the fly while you're shopping, or be able to step back and say, you know. Uh, Thank you. I'll need to look into this a little bit further and maybe have that expert friend or uh, mechanic take a look at it.
1: Now, uh, Toyota sells about 400,000 Camrys every year. And I would say that at least a quarter of a million of them are LE models with a four cylinder engine. Mm-hmm. And the basic difference on uh, all those uh, LE Camrys is the color. Shouldn't you be able to look around saying, you know, you're in the New York City area, I'm here in Chicago in this major market, we should be able to find, you know, a bunch of 2010 Camry LEs. And they, shouldn't they be about the same price if they're in the same mileage?
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's a, an interesting example. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's a real commodity car. And, and you could arguably say they're probably only available in a couple colors, too. Um, it, but what we, will make the price differ there is the hunger for profit from the dealership, mm. uh, You know, it's a business. They're trying to make as much money as they can, but certainly you can shop around and and find what looks to be a good deal from a place that you'd like to do business with.
1: Now, uh, excluding uh, uh, aftermarket things such as extended warranties, the profit margins on used vehicles generally are much higher than on new vehicles.
0: Uh, That's right. And, in fact, uh, new car dealerships tend to rely heavily on their used car sales as well as the service department for for their profits, it's not on selling the new cars. Uh, Used cars are purchased uh, typically at a wholesale value, very low, and have considerable markup to them. There's there's no question. Uh, But just like a new car, the consumer can negotiate and try and get the, the best deal they can, hopefully meet somewhere in the middle where both parties are happy.
1: Now, one of the things that in the used car market that is, uh, I believe, selling at record levels is what are known as certified pre-owned vehicles. And just about every manufacturer has these. And for those who aren't familiar, they are late model used cars that uh, uh, manufacturers, their dealers sell. It's it's their own brands. You know, you can't uh, buy a certified Ford at a GM dealership. You can only buy GM vehicles. But uh, they've been... They've been inspected at least, if not reconditioned. They look real good, and they Mm -hmm. put longer warranties on them, and they sell at higher prices. What do you think? Are they generally worth it, or are they they just putting uh, window dressing on something?
0: Well, probably a combination of those choices. Uh, CPO, Certified Pre-Owned, splits the difference between new and used. It it gives you some of the benefits of used. That the, the price is lower, and some of the protections of new in that it typically has uh, its own form of extended warranty that roughly parallels what you'd find on a new car, and it does have the benefits of having been gone through and, and reconditioned. But there's no question this is done for the profit of the dealership. Uh, but as with regular extended warranties, many consumers find that the peace of mind that this brings is worth uh, the extra cost. But it's worth knowing there is extra cost associated with it. There's there's no question. Uh, The way the market's been so dynamic in the last few years,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: often uh, you might find that there are incentives enough on new cars that actually limit the appeal. So you might be going in, looking at a two- or three-year-old CPO car and realize, you know, for about the same payment, I can get a new one that has zero miles on it. And get, even get a great finance rate, so it's always worth exploring your options and, and thinking long-term what's going to um, work best for your budgetary
1: goals. So, so you're saying it's possible with the incentives on new vehicles, you can come close to maybe a you know year one or two-year-old uh, certified pre-owned. Uh,
0: yeah, oh, I think you can, depending on you know what incentives are being offered mm-hmm. and finance rates, which we see you know, have been. You know, fairly variable. Historically, you think used car rates are higher than new car, right? You know, simply because the the buyers tend to be at a greater uh, risk of repayment. Uh, but right now, they're almost the same. So may not be the case this month, but next month maybe it will.
1: Hmm. Well, uh we're talking with Jeff Bartlett of Consumer Reports Magazine, and, and Consumer Reports annual auto issue is on the stands now, and in that issue. Consumer Reports says, without any hesitation, that extended warranties are not worth the money. Am I correct?
0: Well, that's kind of what we said. <laughs> so we conducted a, a survey mm-hmm. that reached out to our subscribers that we knew owned vehicles from 2006 to 2010, models, mm-hmm. meaning they're probably outside of the factory warranty. And then we focused on those that said that they bought an extended warranty. And we asked them a whole bunch of questions about their satisfaction, how much uh, value they got out of it, how many times they used it, and so forth. So what we found, and this is probably somewhat predictable, that most didn't get them, recoup their money. From a pure business standpoint, completely makes sense. Because if everyone got more than their money's worth, this wouldn't be a good business.
1: <laughs> good, good business for the uh, warranty issuer.
0: It, it would be good for them, right, it would right. be good for the dealership, and so forth. You know, it would be a great purchase for the consumer. So it's not surprising, but it does put some real data behind uh, the uh, kind of common recommendation that you know don't, don't get the extended warranty. Mm-hmm. The key thing from our perspective is, is to be informed. If the peace of mind is worth that to you, to know by spending this extra for the extended warranty, you will not have... Uh, any repair surprises based on you know whatever's covered then right. go for it that, that's great but go in with your eyes open knowing that most people don't use it and instead we would rather uh, consumers focus on cars that have great reliability track records uh. but if you've got to have a car that's got a terrible reliability history but it you know it is your dream your passion or whatever it speaks to your heart. Uh, this is one way to protect yourself.
1: Well, um, uh, somebody I saw somewhere recently that somewhere on the order of 40 to 45% of new Toyotas are sold with an extended warranty. I, I, I thought people bought those because they were reliable.
0: Yeah, that seems uh, a little crazy, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, it does. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I mean, quite frankly. Uh, so when we're asking our subscribers about their experience, mm-hmm. We did see a distinct difference by brand. Uh, those who purchased a car from a brand like Toyota or Honda that's typically very reliable, they said, oh, we never used it and would never buy it again.
1: <laughs> the, but, the warranty, not the car.
0: Correct. The right. warranty, not okay. the car. Right. Uh, but those who bought from, you know, shall we say, a uh, less reliable brand historically, uh, those people were more likely to say, yeah, save my bacon. It was worth a okay." All
1: right. Now, now, uh, I think that was you're asking people who bought new cars about uh, extended warranties. What if you're buying a used car, and and especially if a used vehicle is coming near to the end of its factory warranty, is buying an extended warranty a better idea?
0: Well, I think the exact same concept applies. Uh, If you're choosing a model that's known for reliability, and that individual one looks like a a a great car you know the data would suggest that just hold on to the money in in fact one way to go about it would be to say rather than spend it on the extended warranty put the money aside Mm -hmm. in an interest-bearing account which i know these days doesn't bear much interest but you know put a thousand dollars aside if you have a problem you got to a fund to tap into. If you don't, then you have some money ready for a trade-in next time you need to buy a car.
1: Okay. And and uh, a lot of people will say, you know what, I can't afford a, a new Lexus or BMW or, or Infiniti or something like that, but a used one is within reach. Those vehicles tend to have more features on them. And in the case of BMW and, say, Mercedes, just the cost of doing you know routine repairs is probably higher than average. Oh, uh, most definitely. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in a case like that, if you're buying a used BMW, let's say, mm-hmm. that's out of warranty, doesn't extended warranty sound like a almost a necessity?
0: Well, I think that falls right back into what we're saying. A car that has greater reliability risks is a better candidate for an extended warranty. Hmm. Uh, and you're absolutely right. When things go wrong on a BMW or a Mercedes, they go expensively wrong. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, that extra protection may be much more desirable. On the other hand, we found many uh, Acura and Lexus models, which are arguably similarly complex, uh, hold up very well. Hmm. So it does depend on the model.
1: Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not big on leasing, but um, if I could afford a BMW, I think I would lease one rather than buy because, you know, three-year lease, you're covered under warranty. Um, and and, uh, and including maintenance, but owning a BMW auto warranty? Oh, hmm.
0: yeah, exactly. We've uh, certainly heard the stories, though, of course, you know, it's a roll of the dice. Most people probably have no problems at all. Uh, but, yeah, leasing is particularly attractive with expensive and complicated cars. And I think you actually see that bear out. In uh, the luxury car segment, where leasing is so common,
1: mm-hmm. now um, uh, I think Consumer Reports are fair to say that that you pretty much uh, take a left brain approach to um, to cars. Meaning, you know, very practical, mm-hmm. rather as opposed to right brain, which is emotional. Although what I have to say, is that uh, you, you guys seem to become a lot more right brain in the last <laughs> ten, fifteen years than you used to be, but is buying a used car more of a left-brain decision? I mean, there's a lot of emotion in buying vehicles, even to people who deny it. Um, but should you be more practical uh, when approaching a used car?
0: Well, interesting the approach from the psychology of it. Um, you know, I would argue that buying newer used, you want to have a certain amount of practical considerations um, but I'd also suggest you pick a car that you really like. Hmm. Choose something that you're going to be happy with for years to come, because ultimately that's the most practical decision. If you rush into it, don't do your research, don't think it through. Not only will you be unhappy, but you'll want to flip the car. You want to replace the car sooner than may be necessary. And that's expensive. So I, I think it's a, a balance of brain and heart in, in choosing any
1: car. Okay. We have to pause for uh, one more break here. And when we come back, I'd like you to go through some of the vehicles, use vehicles that Consumer Reports recommends and some of those that you say people should avoid. Stay with us. We'll be back with more uh, with Jeff Bartlett of Consumer Reports Magazine.
0: This is Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Back to Rick Popley.
1: Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is Jeff Bartlett, Deputy Auto Editor for Consumer Reports Magazine. We are talking about used cars, and the annual Consumer Reports April auto issue is available now. The information also is available online at ConsumerReports.org. Just before the break, we were talking about the role of emotion in buying cars, uh, Jeff, and I just want to put one final thought on that is that some years back, I don't know if you knew Jay Mays, who until recently was the head of design for Ford Motor Company. I did. Yes, and he once he said uh, uh, to a group of reporters that emotion plays a big role even in purchases of cars such as the Toyota Camry, and he said that emotion is fear. Fear that if you don't buy a Camry, you won't get a good car.
0: (laughs) That's great.
1: Yeah, so I it it really it's you know your point is well taken about buying a car that you like.
0: Well, it's a lot of money, especially if you're financing it because you're going to be writing that check month after month. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you might as well like it, and the emotional element can really cut across a broad spectrum. It may be exciting to have something that's new maybe you love technology and you finally get you know the to play mp3s and have bluetooth or whatever the latest thing is It's not just about is it exciting to drive or is it going to turn heads and so forth uh there are many things that cars cars offer
1: Now, in the uh, uh, Consumer Reports Annual Auto Issue, which is out now, you do name some of the best-used cars, the ones that you recommend. What are some of those that that you could highlight uh, for our listeners?
0: Well, uh, among the cars uh, that we think really stand out includes the Toyota Camry, which we've been talking about. Uh, This is a, a car that offers impressive fuel economy, a comfortable ride, and superb reliability, which has been one of the... Uh, key attractions to the car for many years. Uh, If you're looking for something a little smaller, uh, we favor the Honda Fit, uh, a versatile, small, Mm -hmm. efficient car that can do a lot more than uh, many of its peers. Uh, If you look for something a little bigger, uh, the Subaru Forester has been a real standout. Uh, It handles well, has a good ride, great visibility, decent fuel economy for an SUV. And uh, if you look for something larger, uh, the Honda Pilot, uh, which has good handling, it's very roomy with three roo- rows of seating, uh, it can do a lot and a very comfortable package.
1: Uh, now, can you say whether, the, the, you just named four vehicles, uh, can you say whether they performed well in your tests when they were new as well?
0: Well, ab- absolutely. That's uh, a condition for being uh, recommended as a used car. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we're looking for are cars that, Excelled in our more than 50 tests when we tested them new and have above average reliability. Merely average doesn't cut it. Uh, and also, uh, we're focused on vehicles that come standard with stability control, which fortunately now is uh, fairly readily available in you
1: know,
0: recently late modeled cars.
1: Right. I believe it's required since 2011 or 2012?
0: 2012. 2012, but most okay. cars had it since right. 2010.
1: Now, uh, one of the uh, interesting things you were on uh, the show last fall when we talked about uh, maybe why you shouldn 't buy that new car in its first year on the market exactly yeah. and um, just in looking recently i 've noticed that uh, the Toyota Camry, in particular, some other Toyotas, have had fewer uh, safety recalls, fewer technical service bulletins, which are you know issues that um, uh, the manufacturer issues to dealers to fix things that may have gone wrong than a lot of other manufacturers, including Nissan and Honda, that Toyota seems to stand kind of above the herd on its new cars coming out with fewer problems.
0: Well, they've got a a great history of being able to launch uh, vehicles without problems.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Obviously, some of the other companies have had issues, but really all companies issued technical service bulletins at, at some point. Uh, Historically, we've certainly seen that uh, cars tend to improve over their model span, uh, meaning the first year is more likely to have some kind of issues. Mm -hmm. And if they're found, the uh, manufacturer will take corrective actions, whether it's changing assembly processes or or, uh, working with a supplier to improve the quality of a part or changing a part. So generally speaking, yeah, buying uh, the second model year is – Ideal, if you can.
1: When it comes but, to new vehicles, better uh, things come to those who wait.
0: <laughs> exactly. And, and the same principle applies for used cars, too, because mm-hmm. you know you don't want to buy the first year of a model when it when it's a used car for the same reason. Yeah, given a choice.
1: Is uh, is the uh, Toyota Prius one of your recommended used cars?
0: Uh, it is. Uh, in fact, uh, it's been fascinating to watch how the Prius has done in our reliability through the years. Mm-hmm. Despite its complexity, it continues to be one of the most reliable cars that we survey.
1: Right, it is. It's one of the most advanced vehicles,
0: isn't it? A- absolutely. The accomplishment is utterly amazing, quite frankly.
1: Hmm. Well, what are some of the uh, the not-so-good ones? What are uh, the ones that you, <laughs> some of the vehicles you suggest people avoid?
0: Well, there is certainly a number of vehicles to avoid, and, and they, they fall into two basic categories cars that really weren't very good when they were new, they're certainly not going to improve uh, with age, and those that have been shown to have a poor reliability track record. So on our list that we flag in uh, the April issue includes uh, the previous generation Chevrolet Impala, which is a mediocre car by any uh, stripe.
1: Yeah, available from uh, unused car lots at Hertz and other rentals. Yeah, exactly. In you large by a
0: sixteen-year-old every day. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I mean, that's a great example of a, a car uh, we, you know, had no enthusiasm for when it was new. Mm-hmm. It, its reliability has been uh, well below average uh, through the years. But then you also see vehicles like the BMW X5, which is very impressive. You know, great power. The cabin is nicely finished. But it too has had a troubled reliability history.
1: Complicated stuff on that—a lot of uh, a lot of different features.
0: Yeah, that is definitely an example of a vehicle with a lot of opportunities for reliability issues. Okay. Uh, but we see problems with mainstream models as well. You know, with Ford Explorer, the Dodge Grand Caravan, uh, its sister vehicle, the Chrysler Town and Country. Uh, those all have had uh, troubled reliability histories, uh, and we have another one on the list that pains me greatly, which is uh, the Mini Cooper S. Oh, wonderfully engaging little car to drive, and has so much emotion uh, attached to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, that continues to to have reliability concerns.
1: Now, uh, a Mini has, if I'm correct, uh, done rather poorly in your uh, reliability surveys. Also, uh, frequently. Uh, ranks near the uh, bottom in J.D. Powers uh, vehicle dependability study. What? Why hasn't that uh, brand ever gotten you know turned things around? What are they doing wrong?
0: That is a great question. It it's frustrated me through the years because I love the the Mini Coopers, mm-hmm. but you know hard pressed to recommend them because I don't want friends and family to have troubles. Why they haven't Im- improved them? I, I frankly don't know. Uh, To me, I would think as an automaker that you'd want to balance building new and exciting, dynamic new vehicles with making sure that the ownership experience is of a quality that the customer is going to want to come back and buy another car and evangelize and tell all his friends, hey, this is great. Uh, But there are some companies that uh, are much less successful at it than others. Their priorities are clearly different.
1: Mini is owned by BMW, and I think BMW has had a much better reliability record.
0: Well, that really depends on the model. Mm -hmm. Uh, BMW reliability uh, can certainly vary. Uh, One of the things that I think is a challenge for BMW is – uh, they're always chasing kind of the leading edge. They're introducing new engine technologies and right. uh, new features. That's cool and exciting. It makes for great brochure fodder, but it's a, a reliability challenge because then you got all these variations you got to get right, and you don't have as many uh, model years to c- make continued improvements. But Mini Cooper is different because they pretty much launch the car and don't change it. Hmm. You know, they would have that opportunity to make year after year changes until it was the best ever in its last year, and then, you know, they're about to start again with the, the three-cylinder ones. Uh, why they don't, I don't know.
1: Okay, just just uh, briefly, one, one final thing. You mentioned before that, uh, in terms of the Impala, that it wasn't good when you first uh, drove it and it didn't get better. So, I mean, pretty much you can tell when a new model comes out how good or bad it's going to be, you know, through its life.
0: Well, what I mean is, you know, when we first tested it, you know, it's pretty ho hum, and uh, clearly was designed for the rental fleet. Uh-huh. Um, you know, your opinion of that car isn't going to improve over time. And in fact, as new cars are introduced and the state of the art continues to improve. You actually would think less of I some. I say
1: It cars. falls be further different, behind. Different. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. That right. Uh, we've been talking with Jeff Bartlett, Deputy Auditor of Consumer Reports about used cars, and he has shared some, I think, extremely valuable information that I think will be helpful to a lot of people. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show again.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Good talking to you. Take care. And that is about all the time we have for this week's episode of Cars, Trucks, and Bucks. Next week, we will shift gears and talk about one price, no Hagel dealerships. Have you ever wished you could buy a new car the same way you buy a television or a refrigerator or food, where the price is clearly marked, and that's the price you pay, no negotiating necessary? There are some car dealers that agree with you and have one price, no negotiating policies in effect. We will talk with at least one of those dealers next week, and we'll explore how the Internet is steering the auto industry Away from the traditional approach to pricing and selling vehicles. Until then, please visit my website, cars, trucks, and bucks.com, for news updates, vehicle reviews, and information about upcoming shows. Thanks again to my guest today, Jeff Bartlett of Consumer Reports, and thanks to you for listening. This is Rick Popley saying, Be careful out there and watch out for the other guy. So long, everyone.